Oh, we are on today. Yes, we are. On a Thursday. Five days out from Christmas. Hope you got your shopping all done. Because the Browns got the job done on Saturday night in the Mile High City. While Detroit struggled in Buffalo and helped their cause out for a draft pick. Week 16 will set up the final standings for the playoffs, in my opinion. We'll talk about that today on the show. And we've hit the bowl season. And a certain Mid-American Conference team heads down to the Bahamas to play. And, of course, the big news, signing day. We'll see how Leffler did with his recruits. The Jackets win in Vegas without bread. No carbohydrates needed in this game. And the Walleye now hit the road this Christmas because Frozen is in town. Got a lot to get into tonight and a lot to get into today because this is All Andy Alford. Guess who's back? All Andy Alfred. 24 runs in the span. We're going to get shut out. Gambino. Hit to a home run. Yes, me. Two, two. It's time for All Andy Alfred. I love you guys. And welcome in to this, the 20th of December, 2018 edition of All Andy Alfred. Right here on your exclusive home for me, the Anchor Network. And you're listening to me. On the plethora of platforms, whether it be iTunes and the podcast app there, whether it be Google Podcasts, whether it be Stitcher, whether it be Spotify, whether it be Podcast Now, however you're listening to me today and tonight, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program today. And you can always be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at all Andy Alford. It is at all Andy Elford. So welcome in. Got a lot to get into tonight, of course. Got to talk about the walleye. And you'll also hear my Andy rants, my special Christmas edition of the show rant for you tonight, of course. And uh, we'll also dive into the BG signing as BG signing day took place. We'll talk about that as well, too. So so welcome aboard. Uh, if you were looking for this podcast this past Tuesday, the 18th, we were in debate of whether or not to do the podcast because Columbus was playing Vegas. And by the time we got into the studio, the, the jacket game was already taking place. So I said, you know what? We'll push it back to Thursday because the holiday is this, the Christmas holiday is this upcoming Tuesday, so the 25th. Programming note. We will have a special version of All Andy Elford for you. It will be the year in review of 2018 for all Andy Elford on this upcoming Tuesday show. It will be dropped for a special Christmas edition for the program. Um, we're working on that with our editing team today. And um, looking forward to ha- hearing the final product before it comes out to you, the listener. Um, we'll have it posted on Christmas Day. And it will be a special Christmas gift to you. And it will be our year-end review for 2018. And, um, you know, one thing I am truly blessed is that we got, we're doing this show on the Anchor Network and Anchor picking us up for this. So um, it is truly a pleasure to be with you guys tonight. So let's dive right on into it. And when I last left you, the, the Browns, we'll start with the Browns first. The Browns were coming off 
of a honest to god performance against Carolina beating them at home. So going into the mile going to this Denver game, they were still on the outside looking in and make, making a playoff spot. They need a lot of help to get in. And I told you many of time I've told you plenty of times that you know this season has been one of those seasons where it's been a little shaky. Uh, we didn't know what Baker Mayfield's performance was going to be. We didn't know if Hugh Jackson was gonna, still going to be the coach. Now Jackson is gone. Baker's still holding helm. Um, and Jackson gone. And now the new coach, the interim coach, has got more wins than Hugh Jackson has. And I've said it last week on this program. I'll say it again. I think he should be a consideration for getting the job. I really, really do. Um, but last Saturday night, uh, we had a doubleheader in the NFL. As the Browns took on the Denver Broncos. Now, my friend Danny Facer is a huge Denver Bronco fan. He told me to look out for Case Keenum. He's going to have a good game in this 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 past weekend. And you know what? I took it. I took it into the vents, and I I'll admit it. I took I took Cleveland in the game against Denver because I felt like Cleveland has a lot to play for, and there's still a lot to play for. And they proved me right. They went into the Mile High City in a tough environment and got the job done. They get the job done against the Denver Broncos. Case Keenum and the Denver Broncos. You know, Lindsey having being shut down. The, here's the key thing. The defense showed up in this game. And that was a surprising factor for me. Only allowing 32 yards of total rush offense in the game against Denver. 32 yards. And Patrick Lindsay with 24 care 24 yards on 14 carries. No TDs in the game. The Browns played tremendously. Baker Mayfield, not that great of a game. 18 for 31, 188, two touchdowns, one INT in the game. But I said it at the beginning of the season, and I will say it again. Nick Chubb is going to be a star in the NFL, and he's proving it. 20 carries, 100 yards, no TDs in the game, but 100 yards against a Denver defense. It's supposed to be very, very good this year. Jarvis Landry, three catches, 37 yards, no TDs. Anthony Callaway, five catches, 35 yards, one TD in the game. As the Browns get the win over Denver, 17-16. And I'll give you this. After the Browns went for it on fourth and one up the middle with a minute 34 to go in the game, and they failed the attempt on the fourth down, I turned to my dad, who's a huge Browns fan, Dennis, Dennis Alford. I turned to him and I said, Here we go. They have never, they haven't won a game against Denver in Denver in over 20 years. I said it to him, and I'll say it. I'll say it to you here. When that happened, I said that the Browns are probably going to lose this game by a field goal, and the Browns shut them down. The defense stepped up to the plate. They got the job done, and the Browns again. I I say it again. Denver only had 270 yards of total offense in this game, 238 through the air. And Patrick had five catches for 65 yards, no TDs. Hamilton, seven catches for 46 yards, no TDs in the game. 
238 of the year, 32 yards on the ground. That shows you that the defense is getting better, even though it's this late in the season. We're two weeks left of the season. We have a lot of positives to go into, into the offseason if you're a Browns fan. Now for the Browns, they had 21 first down plays, 5 for 12 on third down. They had 309 yards of total offense, 175 through the air, 134 on the ground. They had six penalties for 75 yards. That really killed them a little bit on the penalty front. And two turnovers in the game, a fumble and the interception. For Denver in the game, they had 22 first downs, 5 for 14 on third down. Like I said, 270 in total yards, 238 on the in the air, 32 on the ground. They had eight penalties for 51 yards. They also had two turnovers in the game. And they were all interceptions by Case Keenum. So the Browns getting the job done on Saturday night. And the game before that was uh, Houston and the Jets. And that was a good game as well, too. And it proved that the Titans are still... The, not the Titans, but the, it proves that the Texans are still in the hunt for a playoff spot. But before we get into recapping Week 15 of the NFL, I want to talk about the Lions. Here is a Lions team this year, folks. And we can make final judgment on this because we have two games left in the season. We have Minnesota this upcoming week, and then... I'm going to make final judgment on this team. And here's my final judgment. We stink. Oh, we sucked. Stafford, the, the, the removal of Golden Tate and losing some of the key receiving, we need to go out and get a wide good, couple good wide receivers and some good deep offensive linemen that will protect Matthew Stafford at, at all costs. Stafford having a good game this past weekend against Buffalo. And it was in Buffalo. And I thought about this game really tightly at the beginning of this of, of the beginning of the week last week. And I said it's a possibility that the weather could play a factor into this game. And it was raining. It wasn't snowing, it was raining. I thought it would snow, and that would be a benefit for the Lions. It rained. It did not happen that way. Stafford, twenty two. Of 24, 208, one TD in the game. Matteo Reddick had eight carries for 47 yards. Galloway, seven catches, 146, no TDs. That's uh, Stafford and Galloway are the, the one-two combination. Jones, two catches, nine yards, one TD in the game. But Allen was the better quarterback for Buffalo. He was 13 for 26, 204, one TD in the game. Ford, 14 carries for 46 yards, no TDs in the game. As the Buffalo Bills, Chris Kernan's Buffalo Bills gets the job done, 14-13 over my Detroit Lions. Now, Foss, Ruben Foster, four catches, 108 yards, one TD in the game. McKenzie, six catches, 53 yards, no TDs in the game. Breakdown looks like this. The Lions had 14 first down plays, so Buffalo's 20. The Lions 5 for 13 on first down. Buffalo 3 for 12 on first on third down. Excuse me. 313 yards total offense for the Lions. 312 for the Bills. 208 through the air. 105 on the ground for the Lions. 195 in the air for the Bills. 117 on the ground. The Lions four penalties, 81 yards. The Bills three penalties, 20 yards. Both teams not turning over 
in the game. So the Lions mathematically and physically are now eliminated from the playoffs. We have two games left in the season. Minnesota this upcoming week. You know, I, I would just be, I, I play us out. Get the better draft pick. Because right now we're in the top 10. We're at number 10 for a pick. I would definitely take the consideration of, you know, losing the last two games and getting a better pick and moving up a little bit. Um, because there is wide receivers there. This this year's draft is not going to be a laden draft for quarterbacks. And I, I don't think that the Lions should go after a quarterback, period. Stafford's your guy. You're paying him all this money. Do not go after a quarterback. I'll say it again. Do not go after a quarterback. Go after a wide receiver. Go off Go off for some offensive line. Defensive line as well. A safety, a free safety would be very, very helpful. Hell, a running back. We need a decent running back. More than any, More than anything, we need a running back. That can get the job done. I I just don't know what to say. Uh, this has been a pathetic... The year that Green Bay is down. The year that Minnesota isn't Minnesota. This is a golden opportunity to win the division. And they couldn't get the job done. And I'm not blaming Patricia on all the situation. It's the quality of players that the Fords have gone after. It's after all the general managers that have been absolutely horrendous in picking up these players. And again, I will say it, it is the players that make the that make the final call. It's not the coaches. It's not the it's not the play. And I'm going to tell you this. Jim Bob Cooter is gone at the end of the season. That's plain and simple. I will tell you that right now. I will put money on that right now that Jim Bob Cooter is going at the end of this year. But the fact is this. The players have to be better. They have to be better or you're going to be cut. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. If you don't get better, then you're then you're not going to get the job done. You're not going to get the job done. But week 15 looks like this in the NFL. A full recap. The Chargers get the win over Kansas City 29-28, coming from behind in Kansas City to get the job done. Houston a winner 29-22 on Saturday night over the Jets. And here is the big news of the whole NFC North. Chicago. Wins on Sunday, beats Green Bay 24-17, gets retribution from week one when Aaron Rodgers torched them in the second half. They win the division, they beat Green Bay 24-17. And yes, folks, at the end of the show today, you are going to hear something that I haven't done in a long time on this program. So stick with us. Baltimore, a winner 20-12 over Tampa Bay. Arizona loses to Atlanta 40 to 14. Cincinnati, I know my friend um uh uh Sarah went down to uh down to Cincy to watch 
here. Raiders play the Bengals, and the Bengals getting a win 30-16. Tennessee shutting out the Giants 17-0. Miami loses to Minnesota 41-17. Washington loses, gets the win over Jacksonville 16-13. How about Indianapolis shutting out Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott and the Dallas Cowboys by a score of 23-0? Unbelievable. In overtime, San Francisco was a winner 26-23 over Seattle. The big story... New England going into Pittsburgh. This is the last time that I think, in my opinion, Brady will be playing against Roethlisberger because either Roethlisberger is going to retire at the end of the season or Tom Brady is going to retire at the end of the season. And I think it's plain and simple. I think Brady is going to retire at the end of the year. I think both of them might retire at the end of the year. So we saw maybe the the last time that we see these two quarterbacks in the AFC power quarterbacks go at it. Pittsburgh gets the win 17 to 10. Philadelphia gets the win 30 to 23 over the LA Rams and New Orleans a winner 12 to 9 over Carolina and Carolina now shutting down Cam Newton for the rest of the year with a shoulder injury. They weren't going to make the playoffs. I can honestly see that. So best select to Cam in the offseason. So we are now into week 16, the final from final week Second to last week of the season, we'll have one more week, of course. But this is Christmas week in the NFL. So here is your holiday gifts for Week 16. And here's my predictions for Week 16 in the NFL, starting with there's no games on Thursday. So we'll have double headers on Saturday. So it looks like this. Washington is in Tennessee. I will take the Titans in that game. Baltimore is in L.A. to take on the Chargers. I'll take the Chargers in that one. Indianapolis is at home to take on the G-Men of the Giants. I'll take Indianapolis in that game. Houston is on the road to take on the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. I'll take Houston in the game. Miami at home to take on Jacksonville. I'll take Miami. The Giant, the, excuse me, the Jets at home. J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 taking on the Green Bay Packers. I'll take Green Bay in the game. I was going to take the Jets, however... It was announced that Aaron Rodgers will start this week after his injury this past week against the Bears. He will start this week with a shoulder problem. I'm still going to take Green Bay over the Jets. Dallas is at home to take on the Tampa Bay Bucks. I'll take Dallas in that game. New England at home to take on Buffalo. I'll take New England. Carolina at home to play uh, Atlanta. I'm taking Atlanta in that game with now, without Cam Newton. I think Atlanta and Matt Ryan could prevail in that game. Chicago is in San Francisco to take on the 49ers. I'll take Chicago in the game. The Rams are in Arizona to take on the Cardinals. I'll take the Rams. New Orleans hosts the Pittsburgh Steelers in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. I'll take New Orleans in that one. Kansas City is in Seattle to take on the Seahawks. Kansas City plain and simple. And the last Monday night game of the year and the last game in Oakland, the Coliseum, Denver versus Oakland. I'm going to take the Broncos. What sets up the weak local teams, and we'll start with the Browns. The Browns at home at Paul at First Energy Stadium to take on the Cincinnati Bengals and Hugh Jackson, his, their former club, his first arrival back to the mistake on the Lake Cleveland. I'll take the Browns again this week. I'll ride the ride the rail with the Browns. I'll take the Browns in this week. Which sets up the Lions at home to take on Minnesota. Both teams out of the playoff picture. 
Well, Minnesota's still technically in the playoff picture in the in the playoff hunt. But I'm going to take Detroit. Last game at home against the against your divisional opponent, I would take I would take a bet and take take Detroit in the game. So here is what the playoff standings look like this. Okay, folks. If the playoffs started today, the number one overall seed in the AFC would be the Kansas City Chiefs. The number two ranked team would be the Houston Texans. Wild card would be this. The Patriots hosting the Baltimore Ravens and the Chargers on the road to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. So still in the hunt, the Colts, the Titans, the Dolphins, and the Browns still in the hunt for a wild card spot. In the NFC, it looks like this. The Saints are number one at 12 and 2. Second ranked is the Rams. They'll get the first round buys. Wildcard ranking looks like this. Minnesota would be playing Chicago. And the Seahawks would be playing the Cowboys. So that's a good, pretty good matchup right there. Still in the hunt is the Eagles, the Washington Football Club, and the Carolina Panthers. But the Panthers have a 1% chance they're playing this weekend against Atlanta, I think. Atlanta will get them and eliminate the Panthers this upcoming week. So that's week 16 in the NFL. We'll get to week 17. We'll have our taped. We'll have it taped for you next week on a on the Christmas Day special for you. You'll hear my predictions as well as you're listening to all Andy Elford today right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Podcasts. Now, however you're listening to me today, and whenever you're listening to me, and wherever you're listening to me. Thank you for tuning into the program. And now let's hit the continuing nation of football. And let's hit to bowl week. It's bowl mania, baby. So we're now into the middle of the bowl season. Of course, we have hit the bowl season. It's been a tremendous bowl season. Uh, The Mid-American Conference got their first win in bowl play. But we'll talk about that here in just a second. But let's recap some of the bowl games that have happened so far. Tulane took on Louisiana. Tulane gets the win 41-24 of Louisiana. Utah State, a cruising win over North Texas, 52-13. The Las Vegas Bowl, to me, was one of the best games so far I've seen. Fresno State taking on Arizona State. Herm Edwards, his first bowl game with Arizona State at the helm. And Fresno State was just was, was just too much. 31-20 win over the Sun Devils. Eastern Michigan loses to Georgia Southern. 23 to 21. Middle Tennessee gets beat by App State 45 to 13. And then this past week, you had UAB. The the rise of UAB football coming back after losing the program, coming back, and they get the win over NIU 37 to 13. And last night, of course, we had the Fresno Bowl as Ohio gets the max first win in a bowl game. By blanking San Diego State 27 to nothing. We have one game tonight, of course, in the bowl season is US uh, US USF taking on Marshall. I have USF in that game. And then tomorrow, 12:30 on ESPN, it will be the Atlantis Bahamas Bowl as FIU, Florida International University, takes on the Toledo Rockets. 
hope you got your chicken wings. I hope you got your 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 spinach dip ready. I hope you've got your chips and dip ready for this game. Twelve thirty kickoff in Atlantis in the Bahamas. Not gonna be that many people watching this game. I really don't think so. Um, it's I I. I hate to say this, but you know I think it's going to be one of the worst rated bowl games, and I don't understand why you got to play this game during the during the week. And here's the thing: bowl games should be played on the weekends, okay? Bowl games should be played on the week. Gives you an opportunity to watch as much of the college football games as you want to watch, because a lot of these guys are going to be either in the NFL as a lower tier draft pick, and you're going to be picking them up in the fantasy league. But the thing is. When you're playing these games midweek, like the Bahamas Bowl, which is tomorrow on a Friday, you've had the the Fresno Bowl yesterday, you had uh, the the Boca Raton Bowl this past Tuesday night against NIU and UAB. I mean, these are not great crowds that you're seeing for these bowl games. You're really not. You're not seeing great crowds for the bowl games. I'll tell you this right now. The Quick Lane Bowl that's coming up, after Christmas, it's the 27th of December. It will feature uh, Georgia Tech playing, I, fr- I think, Minnesota. And it's at Ford Field. They have not, they have only sold 3,000 tickets for this game, for that game. 3,000. Nobody wants to go see Georgia Tech and Minnesota play in a bowl game unless you're your alumni there or, you know, Here's the thing. Like Quick Lane and a few of the bull games, you want to make sure that these are marquee games for people to watch. Marquee games. Games that people want to watch. Not, you know, and and play these games Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I know, yes, you'll say, well, you can't go against the NFL. You can't go against... There are a lot of people that don't like watching the NFL and they'll watch college football. I was one I was one of them back in the day. And I still am today. I prefer watching the college game over the over the pro game. Plain and simple. But Toledo and FIU, I'm taking FIU in the game over Toledo. I think they're I think you know Toledo never gets up for the big games and they always seem to falter. I'm gonna take FIU in the game. Western Michigan will play BYU in the Idaho Potato Bowl. I'll take BYU in the blue carpet for that one. Wake Forest takes on Memphis. I will take Memphis in that one. Houston is against the Army in the um, Armed Forces game. I'll take the Army in that one. Buffalo takes on Troy. I will take Buffalo in that game. And Hawaii takes on Louisiana Tech on Christmas Eve on the 20th. Actually, the Christmas Eve Eve. Uh... Eve of Christmas Eve, uh, Louisiana Tech. I will take Hawaii in the game. But the big news that came that has come out of camp today, this past week, it is signing day. Yes, folks, it is signing day for college football players, and we are going to talk about the Bowling Green State University and their signing day. Huge signing day for the new coach Scott Leffler and his crew. And we're going to talk about these players right now. Well, let me tell you about these some of these kids. Uh, so Wednesday was signing day for BGSU. Uh, as it was National Signing Day. 
where Bowling Green and Scott Leffler, the new coach of Bowling Green, inks out his first set of uh, signees. And we'll, he started off with Jake Rogers. He's out of Medina, Ohio, from Highland High School. He's 5'8", 160 pounds. He was second team All-Ohio. He had 193 carries for 131 yard, 1,391 yards in 2018 to go with 19 catches for 353 yards. He had seven kick returns for 198 yards, 11 punt returns for 257, and 28 total touchdowns to help Highland out with their record of 8-2. and two. He's going to be a very key piece for Bowling Green going forward. They also signed a kid out of Toledo, Ohio. Yes, out of my town, our town, of course. It was Joey Carroll, tight end. 6'6", 235 pounds, out of St. Francis de Sales High School. He played three years on varsity, earning three letters while at St. Francis. Uh, he was a special mention all-blade team as a receiver, son of Michael, a 1984 graduate, and Cheryl Carroll. Full name is Joseph Anthony Carroll. Uh, father played college basketball at Nebraska and Wisconsin. So he's planning on major in general study, so it'll be good to see him at the tight end rule. He also had Darren Anders. He's a linebacker from North Olmsted, Ohio. He played four years on varsity, earning four letters at North Olmsted High School with Tim Bricker. He also lettered in basketball as well, two named team captain for both his junior and senior year. He had a record 260 tackles in high school, including 21 sacks, 26 tackles for loss, and nine forced fumbles. He was a two-time All-Ohio linebacker, so welcome to the brown and orange, Darren Anders. Of course, let's talk about Luke Hammond as well, offensive lineman from Grand Rapids, Michigan at Catholic Central High School in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He played three years on the varsity team, earning one varsity letter at, Cent at Catholic Central High School. He's a two-time state champion, sophomore, and junior seasons. His team went 38-3 over three years, including an undefeated 14-0 year as a junior. He was named team captain during the senior season, and he plans on studying business. So welcome Luke Harmon to Bowling Green State University. Garrett Abbott, offensive lineman, 6'4", out of Cleveland, Ohio. He went to St. Ignatius High School. He played two years on varsity, earning two letters for with Coach Chuck Kyle. He was named... Third team all Ohio in 2018. He also it was selected as team captain during his senior season. He will be studying pre-medicine with the goal to be a cardiologist. So Garrett Abbott, welcome to BGSU. Here's an interesting one for you. Brock Horn out of a linebacker out of Romeo High School in Romeo, Michigan. He posted 108 tackles, 10 tackles for a loss, two as two sacks as a senior. He also rushed for more than 1,000 yards and 16 rushing touchdowns. He started 33 consecutive games at linebacker, posting 300 career tackles, 15 sacks, and 23 tackles for loss. He is a two-time all-conference and all-county, and he was also mentioned as Detroit News' first team all-state for Division One and Two. He is also a playoff qualifier in both 27 and 2018. He is going to be a linebacker. He's 6'2", 205 yards. Welcome Brock Horn to Bowling Green State University. Here's a one out of Pennsylvania from Erie, Pennsylvania, at Catholic Prep High School. We're talking about Chris Oliver. Chris Oliver's team went 13-3 in 2018 and winning their third straight IPIAA championship, defeating Inthrop 
38 to 7. He's going to be a defensive lineman. Uh, first team in District 10 to win three consecutive state championships, won 13 consecutive playoff games as the longest streak, one of the longest streaks in in PIAA history. He was also a all-star in the Erie Times News District. So welcome Chris Oliver to Bowling Green State University. Another another pickup from Pennsylvania is Kiko Gaskin, defensive back, six foot one, ninety. 190 pounds out of McKeensport High School. He plays both sides of the ball, including quarterback. He uh, led McKeensport to a top 10 ranking in the state in Class A5 in Pennsylvania. He also is scored a pair of touchdowns to lead his team past the number 10th rank Upper St. Clair in the WPIAL Class 5 playoffs. So welcome Coda Kingston to Bowling Green. West Bloomfield, Michigan's own Tyler Brennan, wide receiver, 6'5", 180 pounds. He, his team led to a 9-3 record in 2018, 4-2 in league play, ranked on Detroit's news blue chip list at number 56. Good pickup for Leffler there as we welcome Tyrone Brennan to Bowling Green. Youngstown, Ohio represented Blaine Spears, 6'3", defensive lineman, 220 out of Youngstown out of East High School. He helped gain his team to an 8-4 record in 2018. He had a strip sack late, resulting in his touchdown for his team playoff win against Guard. He is a second team Division 4 all-Northeast Inland District defensive lineman. Uh, here's another local kid so that uh, out of the Youngstown area, so welcome Blaine Spears to Bowling Green. Brandon Spears out of Swanton, Ohio, London High School, Division IV, second team all running back. He's going to be an athlete player this year. He could be a dual threat on the front. He uh, he helped his team go to 11-2 record of reaching the Division Final, Region Final, upsetting two higher-ranked teams along the way. He had 23 carries to 155 yards and a touchdown as London High School upset Clinton Massey in the regional semifinals. The dispatch gives him a mention of all Metro teams. So welcome him in. Jordan Anderson, a defensive back out of Harper Wood, Michigan, 5'11", 195. He played three years in varsity, earning two letters at East English Village Prep and Harper Woods High School. He also lettered in track. He was named team captain of the football team in 2018 as well as in track. He recorded 12 interceptions and 97 tackles over the span of the 2017-2018 season. He also played running back for his team at Harper Woods, recording 2,550 yards and 12 touchdowns in over a two-year span. His two-time team, he's a two-time first-team All-State, 2017 Defensive Player of the Year for the East English Prep League. He is also one of the blue chippers in the Detroit News. So welcome Jordan Anderson to Bowling Green State University. A uh, couple other news and a couple other players, of course. We have Devin Daniels, cornerback, six foot six foot, 155 pounds out of Hubbard, Ohio, out of Hubbard High School. Posted 69 career tackles at Hubbard High with two with a point a 2.0 tackles for loss. He had three passes defended. As the senior had two interceptions as a junior, was forced on the offense, throwing more than 2,000 career yards and 30 touchdowns while running for almost 3,000 yards 
actually 2,973 yards, including 1,656 as a senior. He also scored 43 touchdowns on the ground. He was the Division IV Ohio Prep Sports Writers Association third team All-Ohio. Welcome Devon Daniels to Bowling Green State University. Here's a key one. This is a surprise out of me. Out of New Jersey, Cameron, New Jersey, Jawan Hudson, defensive back, 5'11", 175. He is a all-South Jersey's football second-team player. He led his team to a to the all-team uh, constitutional division, posted six interceptions in 2018. His team won the championship. Team earned the second-ranked seed in the N- in the New Jersey Southern Athletic Playoffs, advancing to the finals, finishing the year with a record of 10 and 12. We welcome Jawan Hudson to Bowling Green State University. Uh, we have one out of California, of course, David Wilson, defensive back, 5'11, 175, Morono uh, Valley, California. Uh, he led his team to a 13-1 record in 2018, advancing to the Division II Finals. He had 34 tackles, 9 interceptions. He also broke up two passes and a fumble recovery. He had 29 tackles and an interception as a junior. So, But here's the one key one, and this is a key piece to me for Bowling Green. Andrew Bench. He is a defensive lineman from Genoa High School. Genoa, you, if you follow my show here on the program... Genoa is a top-tier program, one of the best in the best in the state. Out of Elmore, Ohio, he helped Genoa to his first state number one state ranking in program history in an undefeated regular season. The team finished with a 12-1 record overall, of course. He four-year starter at tight end, three years at linebacker. He was a first-team Division Five All-State. He was also the Northwest Ohio District Player of the Year. He is also a two-time All. Northern Buckeye Conference and two-time All-Defensive District Player of the Year. He also caught 35 passes for 713 yards, eight touchdowns as a senior. He also had 103 tackles for an 11 sacks, tying the school record. He also added 19 tackles for a loss, an interception, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. He holds school records for career tackles and sacks as well as receiving 16 touchdowns and a single game, a nine single game receptions. He's the son of Donald and Jill Bench, and they own Bench's Greenhouse out there in Bowling Green. Father played basketball at William College. Two sisters, Leah and Cameron. He also competes in track and basketball at Genoa, but he plans to study business. So, welcome Andrew Bench to BGSU, and those are your signings for the Bowling Green State University Falcons. We caught uh, BGSU uh, coach Scott Leffler met with the media the other day. We we caught some, some of the audio of it. We're going to play for you some of it right now on All Andy Alford Today. The new coach of Bowling Green State University, Scott Leffler, and the signing day players for 2018-19 season. Good afternoon. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone for being here. Uh, We were able to sign today 17 recruits in our first uh, recruiting class here in about a a two-and-a-half-week period of time. Uh, It was a 100% team effort without a doubt. And uh, please, if I forget to uh, thank you, there was so many people involved with this process, but I do have a few thanks. First off, to our administration, our athletic administration. 
I thought Bob and Kit did a wonderful job uh, letting us hire a staff so quickly and we were able to, uh, to get on the recruiting trail immediately. Second, I thought our faculty reps that helped us on the, uh, on the campus uh, visits were outstanding. They did a great job and they were a huge influence on helping us uh, attract these great student athletes that we were able to obtain today. Third, the business people in the community. In, uh, in two and a half weeks, we asked to, to, to go into restaurants and ask for large parties. We asked to get hotel rooms, and they were able to accommodate us uh, in a first-class manner, and it really helped in the recruiting process over such a short period of time. To our players, I thought our players uh, over these last two recruiting weekends did a wonderful job hosting the, uh, the recruits. They were able to, uh, able to help us sign these uh, 17 kids. They did a great job. Special thanks, without a doubt. Uh, this whole process would never have been able to uh, take place without Carl Polini. I thought Carl did a wonderful job establishing the foundation of what we wanted to recruit here. He was able to establish those relationships uh, in the five weeks as being the head coach. And we were able to come in and, and hit the ground running. Carl did a wonderful job, and uh, I'm so thankful uh, for all the hard work that he put in over these last really seven and a half weeks to help establish this class. Dan Pfeiffer uh, did a wonderful job being uh, the new recruiting uh, coordinator in two and a half weeks. That's a challenge, being able to set up all the official visits, get the hotel rooms, uh, be able to uh, set up the official visits. That's a challenge, and I thought he did a wonderful job. Last but not least, and I know I forgot a bunch of people that I know I should have thanked, but our staff. Our staff over the last two and a half weeks were able to establish relationships uh, that normally take two years to establish to obtain a recruiting class. If you uh, really evaluate and look what we've done over the last two and a half weeks in, in terms of being able to uh, go into people's houses, being able to walk out and they trust you, uh, that says a lot. Uh, we've got a great character staff here, we've got great people, and we were able to do some really neat things in the last two and a half weeks to, uh, to be able to secure this class. Uh, super excited about it. We've got a lot of work to still go, but uh, uh, it was a good start. Any questions? You talked a lot about having Ohio kids and you want to tap into the Ohio talent and you got eight of them. Are we just scratching the surface here with Ohio guys? No doubt. Uh, we said uh, whenever uh, we took this job that the, the emphasis would be on recruiting the state of Ohio. If you really evaluate when Bowling Green has won championships, you look at the roster and anywhere between 65 and 75 percent of the kids come from the state of Ohio. Uh, we're going to do a great job uh, as soon as we get back here in January. Uh, every single uh, guy on the road will be in the state of Ohio for at least two straight weeks. Uh, we're going to attack the state of Ohio. We've got great relationships uh, in this state. In the two and a half weeks that we were on the road, we were able to walk into uh, high schools. And the Ohio high school coaches want to help Bowling Green. And uh, I'm really fired up to uh, be able to work with those guys. Uh, they're my peers. Uh, a lot of those guys in the Ohio high school circuit are mentors to me. And uh, I'm really, really fired up to, to be able to go into their school, recruit their kids, and uh, obviously get them here, develop them, and make Bowling Green uh, a championship place. No quarterbacks, no running backs in this portion of the class. Is that something that's going to be addressed in the next six, seven weeks? Well, we'll see. Um, We've got uh, four scholarships left. Uh, we said uh, that whenever we, uh, we took this job that uh, we were going to make sure that we were, number one, going to bring in quality football players with quality character. Um, it's amazing whenever you, uh, 
you sit down with the 17 guys that we signed, their parents, their guardians, they're all like-minded people. They're, they're fantastic character people. Um, they're good football players, and uh, we were going to make sure that we filled those slots with the standards that we expect here at Bowling Green. The early signing period makes things pretty difficult on the new staff. How, I don't know, how crazy did this get here in the past couple of weeks? It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, a lot of sleepless uh, days, to say the least. But uh, just like I said, we've got a veteran staff here. We've got a staff that has walked the walk, talked the talk. They're, uh, they're excellent. And just like I said, the foundation that Carl was able to build, along with the experienced staff that we have, we were able to do a lot of things in two and a half weeks that most people, just like I said, it takes a year and a half to two years to establish. So I'm very proud of them. They worked really hard, and I keep going back to Carl. I think that was a, a huge deal of why we had some success today. Yeah, there's, there's always needs and there's always numbers of kids uh, leaving your program, and you need to fulfill those numbers. This was an emphasis on the defense. Uh, there's a couple slots opened uh, for some offensive slots that uh, we'll see if we're going to fill in the second half of the recruiting cycle. If not, if we don't feel like uh, uh, we're ready to, uh, to extend those offers, we won't. Uh, the emphasis is going to be on bringing quality, quality football players here with great character and that are going to be successful in the classroom. Uh, it's amazing when you look at the APR and you look at all the, the uh, components that make up uh, this recruiting world, it all comes back to can he play, does he got great character, and can he be successful in the classroom? And if there's uh, one of those three pieces that are missing, we're, we're going to pass on the guy. Joey Carroll seems to be somebody who meets those three criteria. Is the fact that he was committed to that other school in Northwest Ohio making a doubly sweet recruit to you? I love Joey. It was my first home visit at Bowling Green. It was, uh, it was great. It was a uh, need to go in, and uh, he was a position of need, obviously. And to be able to establish a relationship over such a short period of time was awesome. I walked out of his house. And he called me and says, I'm committing. And I went, what? I thought this was, I mean, that was a shocker. So I, I, I said, this is going to be easy recruiting to Bowling Green after that first uh, home visit. But uh, they've, got great, they've got such a great family. Uh, he's such a good football player. And uh, I'll never forget Joey Carroll because that was my home, first home visit. So that was pretty neat. Tyrone and Rock were two kids that were not at a loss for places to go. How did those two recruitments kind of come together? Tyrone. Uh, uh, that relationship with his high school coach goes back years. Um, recruited, helped recruit Ron Bellamy uh, to my school, coached him at my school, and then uh, obviously in the NFL, was able to coach him in the NFL. Um, we had great relationships with the high school coach. The high school coach helped us there, and um, we got a really good wide receiver out of uh, West Bloomfield. Going to Brock? Yeah. Love him. Love him. Uh, I thought uh, Jake and Brian Van Gorder did a wonderful job establishing relationships with him. Um, we staff recruited him. We recruited him hard. Uh, he had a lot of action in the game. And it goes back to just like I said, we were over, over two and a half weeks able, with that one in particular, to, to really uh, establish some really trust and uh, a great relationship in two and a half weeks. Um, I think he's going to be an outstanding football player. He's got uh, captain-like characteristics. And uh, we'll all be uh, we'll all be uh, very thankful that we that we're able to obtain Brock. What is today like for you and your staff with such a short window 
is excitement, relief. How has today been for your guys? You know what? It was uh, business as usual. We've got professionals here. Um, just like I said, this isn't their first rodeo. <laughs> Some of them have been coaching longer than I've been alive, it feels like. But uh, that's the way we wanted it. We wanted to be around, and I wanted to be able to set myself up with people that are better than me. I think that our staff is fantastic. Uh, they're, uh, they're great human beings, but they're, they're professionals at what they do. They're very good at what they do. And the thing that I'm so fired up about is we're going to be able to bring a Bowling Green kid in here, a high school kid, and we're going to be able to develop them on and off the field like no other. And it, it all stems back to uh, our staff. I think they're terrific. You mentioned you had four scholarships left. Do you expect more signings in the next couple of days? Just like I said, uh, if, uh, if it fits our, 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 uh, our need and it fits uh, the things that we're looking for in a student athlete, yes. Um, there's some other action that is going on in terms of uh, grad transfers and what have not. But we're going to be very uh, selective of who we bring into the program. Uh, we thought that we were extremely selective uh, on the 17 uh, young men that we were able to bring in. And uh, just like I said, the, the, the neat thing about this was that there are so many like-minded young men in this, in this class, and I think that's really important. We're able, right off the get-go, you can tell we're going to be able to establish a, a disciplined, high-character uh, uh, class that we were able to sign. And um, they're like-minded, their parents are, are fantastic. And at the end of the day, I think this will be a great foundation for our program. So as you hear, that was Scott Leffler, uh, uh, some of his, uh, from his press conference this past Wednesday the 19th, met with the media, of course, playing you a little bit of the audio from that. And, uh, you know, he's fired up for this club, and I, I know I'm very, very happy. And going back to what he said about the Carroll kid, he was committed to the University of Toledo, he did not want to go to UT. He goes to BG. That's going to start the fire up. That's going to fire up the rivalry a little bit more. I love it. I love it. And St. Francis is right down the block from the University of Toledo. So, you know, it's good to see that. Uh, we'll dive more into UT's uh, draft picks, uh, not draft picks, but signings next week on All Andy Offer. And we'll also continue to play uh, the audio from Scott Leffler, the second part two of the audio from from his press conference, but that is uh, that's all we're going to play for you this week. As you're listening to all Andy Alford tonight, right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me tonight, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in. And now let's hit the ice. Jackets have been struggling as of late, so the Jackets now getting ready on this long homestand. This is tonight. They will be playing against the Devils to finish up the homestand before going on the road for two before the Christmas break. Uh, but last Tuesday, before we went off the air, they were taking on the Vancouver Canucks, and you know the Jackets looked very, very good in the game, and they look. Here's the thing: you cannot, and should not, and will not win hockey games by. Losing it late. You will not win games late. Especially when you're giving up games to Vancouver. Vancouver. Vancouver beats the Jackets 3-2. to two. Seth Jones and Oliver Brookstrand scoring for the Jackets. Jones is 6th. Brookstrand is 2nd. But it was two tip shots that beats Bobrovsky. And Vancouver gets the 3-2 win. 
The Jackets out shooting Vancouver 36-25 in the game. They led in the faceoff department 50-49%. to Both teams 0 for on the power play. Vancouver 0 for 1. Columbus over 2. So then Thursday, the Jackets welcomed in the LA Kings to 200 West Nationwide Boulevard, and they got the win. Dustin Brown did start the scoring for the Kings, his ninth of the season, but it was Lucas Sedlak getting his first the sucky cat himself, bearing his first of the season. Artemi Panarin getting his eighth and ninth of the season Thursday night, and Josh Anderson getting his 13th of the season. That's the Jackets cruise to a 4-1 victory. They outshot the Kings 41-30. to they led in the faceoff department 56% to 43%. The Jackets 1 for 3 on the power play. LA 0 for 3. LA did outhit the Jackets 14 to 11. Then we get to Saturday and the Jackets find a way. You know, they started the scoring off pretty well. As Dudavarin gets the Jackets on the board with a 1 nothing lead, but Torres Sprague gets his first of the game and tying the game at 1 goes into overtime. A 3 on 3 overtime, of course, and Sprague. Buries it past Poprowski. And I'm going to say this again. Bob is not Bob. He is not the same Bob that has been dominant as of late. And the Anaheim game proved it. He went down too early for the shot. It went over his shoulder. If he was standing up the whole entire it would have hit his chest. He went down too early. And Anaheim's... Sprague gets the game winner in overtime in front of a sellout crowd at Nationwide Arena on a Saturday night as the Ducks beat the Jackets 2-1. Jackets outshot the, the Ducks 37-22, 66% at the faceoff dot for Anaheim to 34% for the Jackets. Both teams over on the power play. The Jackets out hitting the Ducks 21-17. But then we get to Tuesday night, and the reason why we didn't do the show this past Tuesday the Jackets took on the Las Vegas Golden Knights, and the Knights coming into the game, you know, struggling. It was a good battle. 40 minutes of no scoring game before my guy, the captain, Nick Foligno, buries it past the Malcolm Subban, getting his eighth of the season as the Jackets get the win one to nothing over the Vegas Golden Knights. And Bobrovsky getting the shutout in the game, stopping 28 of 28 shots. The Jackets having 31 shots on net. Jackets leading in the faceoff department, 63-37. to Both teams over on the power play. Vegas out hitting the Jackets, 25-18. to So now there's the week and schedule looking forward to tonight. Looking forward to this week. Of course, tonight the Jackets will take on the, the New Jersey Devils, 7 o'clock at 200 West Nationwide Boulevard. Saturday sees them in Philadelphia for a 1 o'clock start with Gritty and the Philadelphia Flyers. And Sunday, the final game before the Christmas break, Jackets are in New Jersey to take on the Devils at 12.30. Games last night in the NHL looked like this. It was a slight schedule as the Penguins were a winner 2-1 over the Capitals and the uh, the Avs get the 2-1 win over the Montreal Canadiens. Other games besides the Jackets and Devils game tonight, Winnipeg is in San Jose to take on the Sharks. The Vegas Golden Knights are at home to take on the Islanders. The Leafs are in Scotiabank Arena to take on the Florida Panthers, Dallas hosts the Blackhawks, and the Hawks are struggling, folks. Anaheim is in Boston to take on the Bruins. Nashville is in Philadelphia to take on the Flyers. The Pittsburgh Penguins host the the um, host the Minnesota Wild. Detroit is in Carolina to take on the Hurricanes. Tampa Bay is in the hot redded Calgary Flames at nine o'clock. Calgary twenty two eleven and two overall. The Montreal Canadiens. 
are in Arizona to take on the Coyotes. The Blues are in Vancouver to take on the Canucks. Looking at the standings going into today's play in the Atlantic Division, Tampa Bay is 30 with 35 games played. They're 26, 7, and 2 with 54 points. Toronto, 22, 10, and 2 with 46 points. Buffalo, 20, 10, and 5 with 45 points. Metropolitan Division looks like this. Washington in front at 20, 10, and 3 with 43 points. Columbus in second position at 18, 12, and 3 with 39 points. The Islanders, 17, 12, and 4 with 38 points. Wildcard ranks standings look like this. Boston is 18, 12, and 4 with 40 points. Montreal, 17, 13, and 5 with 39 points. Outside looking in, Pittsburgh at 16, 12, and 6 with 38 points. The Rangers, 15, 13, and 5 with 35 points. The Ottawa Senators, 15, 16, and 4 with 34 points. Carolina, 14, 13, and 5 with 33 points. The Detroit Red Wings are 14, 16, and 5 with 33 points. The Panthers are 13, 13, and 6 with 32 points. The Flyers, 13, 15, and 4 with 30 points. And the Devils are 11, 14, and 7 with 29 points. Last place in the Eastern Conference. Western Conference looks like this. Winnipeg in the lead in the Central at 22, 10, and 2 with 46 points. Nashville, 22, 11, and 2 with 46 points. Colorado, 19, 10, and 6 with 44 points. In the Pacific Division, it is the Calgary Flames in the front at 22, 11, and 2 with 46 points. San Jose, 19, 11, and 5 with 43 points. Anaheim, 19, 12, and 5 with 43 points. Wildcard standings look like this. Vegas holding the number one spot at 19, 15, and 2 with 40 points. Vegas was struggling. Now they are on a roll. Edmonton, 18, 14, and 3 with 39 points. Dallas, 17, 14, and 3 with 37 points on the outside looking in. Minnesota, 17, 14, and 2 with 36 points. Vancouver, 16, 17, and 4 with 36 points. St. Louis, 13, 15, and 4 with 30 points. Arizona, 14, 17, and 2 with 30 points. Chicago, 11, 19, and 6 with 28 points. And the Kings at 12, 20, and 3 with 27 points. News and notes to pass around the NHL. It looks like this. Of course, last night was the Wednesday night rivalry game between Ovechkin and Crosby. And those two went at it, yelling back and forth at the bench. And here's the thing with that. Here's the thing with that. In my opinion, I think Crosby would lose in a fight to Ovechkin pretty, pretty easily. he get his ass whooped by Ovechkin. Because Crosby is a crybaby. He's a crybaby for the league. All of Pittsburgh's players are crybabies for the league. They, they, they cry to the officials so much, and they cry to the league. That's why I hate Pittsburgh so, so much. They remind me so much of the of what the what the walleye are, what the fans bitch and moan and complain about people getting hit and getting hurt. It's a part of the game. It's honestly a part of the game, folks. Suck it up. And speaking of the walleye, the walleye did get a win on Friday night over Norfolk seven to four. On Saturday, they went into Fort Wayne down two to not two to nothing into the third period and rallied back to tie the game force overtime, and win in a shootout 3-2. to two. And last night, the Jet, the Walleye getting a win 6-3 to over the Kalamazoo Wings. Four goals in the third period, in the second period alone, topping off by an A.J. Jenks goal. That was a, a rocket of a shot. The Walleye head continue on the road as the Frozen on-ice tour comes into Huntington Center this weekend. So 
God, I love it when the ice shows come into town. Toledo is in Indianapolis, 735 puck drop Friday night. Saturday sees them back in Fort Wayne, 730 drop in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Looking at the standings going into today's, into this weekend's play, looks like this. In the Central Division, Everett Fitzhugh's Cincinnati Cyclones still holding top at 19-5-2 with 41 points. Toledo 18-5-2 with 38 points. Wheeling 13-11-2 with 28 points. Kalamazoo 13-12-0-1 and with 27 points. Fort Wayne 13-11-0-1 with 27 points. Indianapolis 13-12-0 with 26 points. Newfoundland 19-8-1 with 39 points. Reading 13-7-2-4 with 32 points. Adirondack 13-9-2-2 with 30 points. Manchester is 13-10-1-1 at 28 points. Maine is 14-11-0-0 with 29 points. Worcester is 12-12-3-1 with 28 points. And Brampton is 12-14-2-1 with 27 points. The South Division looks like this. Florida is 16-6-4 with 36 points. South Carolina is 17-12-0-0 with 34 points. Jacksonville 16 10 one and zero with thirty three points. Orlando thirteen ten two and zero with twenty eight points. Norfolk is twelve thirteen one and two with twenty seven points. Greenville eleven seventeen three and zero with twenty five points. And Atlanta five fourteen five and one with sixteen points. In the Mountain Division, Utah fifteen six three one with thirty four points. Idaho fifteen nine one and two with thirty three points. Tulsa thirteen eight four two with thirty two points. Rapid City is 13-12-2-3 with 31 points. Kansas City is 14-9-1-1 with 30 points. Wichita is 12-11-3-2 with 29 points. And Allen is 6-23-0-2 with 14 points. Games to look out for tonight in the in the ECHL look like this. Only a slate of two games. Florida is in Orlando to take on the Solar Bears. Jacksonville is in Atlanta to take on the Gladiators. Games tomorrow. Reading is in Manchester to take on the Monarchs. Wheeling on the road to play on the Norfolk Admirals. Greenville hosting the South Carolina Stingways. It'll be the Adirondack Thunder taking on the Wooster Railers. Jacksonville taking on Atlanta. Of course, Fort Wayne will be hosting the Kalamazoo Wings. Cincinnati is in Texas in Allen. So I bet you Everett's enjoying the barbecue there. 705 puck drop for that one. Tulsa is in Kansas City. Wichita is in Rapid City. Utah is in Idaho for those games this past weekend. And then, of course, Saturday sees uh, the final games of the season. Maine is in Manchester. Brampton in Anirondack. Wheeling in Norfolk. South Carolina in Greenville. Orlando is in Florida to take on the, the Everblades. Reading is in Worcester. Toledo in Fort Wayne, of course. Indianapolis heads to Kalamazoo. Kansas City heads to Tulsa, and Cincinnati continues their swing in Allen, Wichita in Rapid City, and Utah taking on Idaho. So that is your ECHL and NHL news and notes to pass along to you as well. So you're listening to all NBL for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me today, thank you for tuning in. And now it's time to hit the end of the program. And it's time for Andy Rants. So we've finally come to the end of all Andy Alford today, of course. And uh, first and foremost, before I continue on, I want to wish you guys a very Merry Christmas and a happy and healthy 2019. I hope you guys have a great Christmas and a great holiday this upcoming year. Um, you know, 
I'm going to be spending a lot of time with the family, of course, having some meals. Shop. I shop too much online and on at, at the stores. Just got to get some gift cards left. Thank God for that. Um, but uh, Christmas really is it, the the true meaning of Christmas is it, it, Jesus is the reason for the season. That's why it's Christmas, not Christmas, in my opinion. So there's that for you. But um, I want to talk about a certain thing that's happening here in the city of Toledo. It is happening on the corner of Alexis and Secor. Um, if you haven't seen it, we're going to post it on our Twitter account. It is the Christmas Weed. I don't know if you've seen this yet, if you've heard about this yet, but I, I have to give you my opinion on this situation. Yeah. There is a weed that is growing up from the sidewalk on Alexis and Secor. Now, a family saw this, went into the Walgreens that's right across the street from it, bought some tinsel and some ornaments, and put it up and made it the Christmas weed. Well, now it has grown into tree into different trees a lot of giving a lot of a lot of donations a lot of showing what what people's christmas are to you know different people and this is uh this is a great sign for the community i love it um i love seeing it i love seeing the updates every single morning from Daddy schaefer and the 93.5 crew that they that they have there because they they go down to take a look at it it is showing you that, you know, we are here in Toledo, we are a giving community. We have given so much, uh, the Salvation Army, as well as, you know, the Hope for the Holidays toy drive with them, uh, the, the, the newsboys with their, with their drive. Toledo wants to give, and they have given so much. From the bottom of my heart, I want to thank all those that have given their time, their money, their effort to make another person's Christmas a whole lot better. And um, they, this is what the season's really about. It's helping one another and helping each other out. You know, and the, the, the look in people's eyes, especially a child's eyes, when they open up a gift on Christmas, is, you just can't beat it. You really can't beat it. Seeing their eyes light up and see that they've gotten a gift from Santa, it's just fantastic. And that's what the true meaning of Christmas for me is. Not about gifts. It's about the spirit of the season, and the spirit of life, and the spirit of 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 Christ, and um, that's what Christmas means to me a lot, and it means a lot to me spiritually as well as as physically. And um, I hope you guys have a terrific Christmas and um, a very very happy and healthy. 2019 and we're going to be still doing these shows even though we do these shows now once a week until we get back to college football when we'll be doing two shows a week um looking forward to that but uh i have to end this show with a certain individual uh you know my broadcast my old broadcast partner back in the day we used to do this show on the on the soundcloud mixcloud um my broadcast partner nick the money man devera uh, at the beginning of the season, this NFL season, when we were doing all, Andy, we're getting ready to do all Andy Alfred. Uh, we made the wager at the beginning of the season to whoever would win the division or who would ever have the better record would have to sing uh, the each other's fight song. And um, unfortunately, uh, last Sunday the 
Bears getting the 24-17 win over the Packers showed that the that the Bears have won the division. So with that in mind, I must now sing the Chicago Bears fight song. And it's entitled Bear Down. And it's one of those songs, you know, it's a catchy song. But I know, yes, you're going to say to me, well, Andy, you know, it's a... Uh, you know, you're a Lions guy, and you're going to own this bet up. I said, I have to own it. You know, I may, I make the wager every year to you, the fan, about the UTBG game. I will make my wager with this one as well, too. So uh, here it is, uh, me singing Bear Down, Chicago Bears, the B, the with the Bears winning the NFC North. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Make every way clear the way to victory. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Put up the fight with the might so fearlessly. We'll never forget the way you thrill the nation with your T formation. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Let them know why you're wearing the crown And you're the pride and joy of Illinois Chicago Bears, bear down Bear down, Chicago Bears Make every play clear the way to victory Bear down, Chicago Bears Put up the fight with the might so fearlessly We'll never forget the way you thrill the nation With your team formation Bear down Chicago Bears and let them know why you're wearing the crown you're the pride and joy of Illinois Chicago Bears bear down oh god in heaven so there's that for you bear down for you Nick congratulations on winning the NFC North and um, I'm looking forward to seeing how the Bears do this playoff season with uh, with Khalil Mack and Mitchell Trubisky and all of your Bears. I'm looking forward to seeing how they do this year. And that's going to wrap it up for all Andy Elford for this the final show in the studio here on this the 20, not, 2018 season. We'll be back in 2019, of course, for live shows. We'll be back on the 2nd of January, 2018, January 2nd, 2018, for a live edition of all, for a new edition of All Andy Elford. And of course, you can always follow the show on Twitter. It is at All Andy Elford. It is at All Andy Elford. So uh, that is a, that's going to wrap it up for the show tonight. I hope you guys had a great Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and a happy and healthy, prosperous 2019. And um, I'll talk to you guys next year for another edition of All Andy Elford. But until then, this is Andy Elford saying, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together, the game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to your teams that you root for at home, and to my teams, the Jackets. Go, Jackets! Go Walleye and go Cyclones. Go Falcons. Big signing day. And go Buckeyes. And go Cougars. FIU, baby. And 
Go Lions, go Browns, and go Bears. Victory is sweetest. When you have tasted defeat, have a great day and a great holiday, rest of the holiday season. Merry Christmas from All Andy Alford. This has been a presentation of All Andy Alford today on the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor.